It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and I'm the host of Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast. I'm a registered nurse with 20 years experience in labor and delivery and 10 working in global maternal health. I'm the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, and this podcast is my way of talking about everything we couldn't fit in the book and a whole lot more. With new guests and experts every week, we talk about pregnancy, parenting, politics, feminism, and health care, all of it. Come find us on iTunes, Libsyn, Stitcher, and the Parents on Demand Network. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Doing It At Home podcast. Thanks so much for being here, and we're really excited to bring you another birth story. Before that, a few announcements for the show, just some general housekeeping things for you. First of all, the Bivens crew, Team Bivens, is going to be traveling a bit this summer. So over the next two months, we are going to be trotting all across the globe, really. So we're going to be in Florida with some family. And then next month in July, we are going to be in London, England, and Slovenia. So Matthew's sister is getting married in a castle in Slovenia. Yes, I know. Awesome. So that's where we will be. And before that, we figured why not make a little family vacation in part of Europe? So we're going to be in London, England. And if you are a listener, a doing it at home friend in London, hit us up, first of all, with any suggestions that you have for us. We would love to hear, you know, places to go, things to do, um, especially with, you know, Maya. She'll be almost three and just some fun stuff we can do with the family. So feel free to reach out to us, please, on Instagram at D-I-A-H podcast, or go to our website, diahpodcast.com, and you can contact us there and share with us. And then who knows, maybe we could meet up somewhere. Maybe we could be someplace at some day in time. And if you happen to be there too, what's up? So just an announcement there that we will be traveling, first of all, because of course we want suggestions, but then also we will be sharing some rebroadcasts over the next couple of weeks, kind of interspersed through our travels. So if you, you know, see that, that's what's going on. So we're just going to be dropping in some previous top 
favorite fun episodes and we will be gearing up to, you know, get into recording, do more interviews and set up for, you know, post summer and fall and on and on and on. Okay. So that's that. So that, you know, that's going on. And then always where you can listen to the show, Parents on Demand Network is the network that we are a part of. So make sure you go to parentsondemand.com to check them out, check out the other shows that are a part of the network. And you can also listen to the show from that website or the app. So you can just download it on your phone. The It's in Android or iOS. So download the pod Parents on Demand app and you can listen to the show through there. And oh, gear doing it at home gear. I love, love, love. We love seeing you in your shirts, your tanks, your sweatshirts, whatever it is that, uh, that you got that say have babies where you make them or let's talk home birth. If you want yours, go to our website and you can click the link to our shop and represent, represent your doing it at home pride as well as support the show, you know, keep the lights on, so to speak of the show. And yeah, they make great gifts as well for your midwife, fellow birth junkie, mama, whatever. Okay. Today's birth story, we're chatting with Laura Smoker and Laura, I love Laura's conversation and and her story because it's great for any mamas who desire a home birth but can't have it for some reason. And, you know, the way she puts it, she feels that sharing her positive hospital experience and what made it that way could be helpful to others. And I completely agree. So Laura was planning for a home birth actually, but risked out, if you can believe this, at 40 weeks on her due date or guest date. And so she and her husband, Joshua, had to make other plans along with their midwife and you know plan for a hospital birth <laughs> at 40 weeks. And so you know we talk about that whole process and and moving through that but then also this being Laura's fourth pregnancy after three miscarriages so she shares as well that you know that experience and and moving through that and kind of the ups and downs and then what it was like to hear a heartbeat at 13 weeks and move forward you know and the longest she had been in a pregnancy. So that's an amazing, you know, candid, vulnerable conversation as well that she shares. And then we get to hear baby Elliot's birth story. And like I said, you know, she understands it to be a positive hospital experience. And so that's, you know, why I think it's so beautiful and sharing that because if this does apply to you or you know a mama that this applies to, or this just, you know, broadens your perspective and understanding of, you know, when plans do need to change. It's That's what this is all about. So thank you so much to Laura and Joshua and baby Elliot. And here's a quick word from our sponsor before the story. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. 
products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Sarah and I are incredibly excited to chat with you and hear all about your birth story and all that great stuff. So thanks again for joining us. Yeah, no problem. I've enjoyed your podcast while I was pregnant and enjoy listening to all the stories and I'm happy I get to share mine. That's so cool. I love when we get to hear that, you know, this kind of coming full circle experience from listener transitioning to being a guest and, um, I just think that's so cool because it's this community experience. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us, Laura, just a little bit about you and your family? Yeah. Um, my husband and I, my husband's Joshua, we were married in uh, July of 2016. And um, we currently have one little boy whose name is Elliot and he's 10 months old. And um, that's, I guess, the birth story that I'm going to share with you guys. Um, so yeah, we live in Pennsylvania. Awesome. So all you Pennsylvania folks, that's where Laura's at. She's like, oh shoot. I I imagine that must be cool too, listening to the show and hearing a story that you really resonate with or something. And maybe they live near you or you know, they mention someone. I don't know. I just think that would be cool too. That's I love this, this space and what's possible. Sorry. I'm just like geeking out over all this. Um, so Laura, your journey to home birth wasn't necessarily the smoothest, I guess you could say, or to um, planning for home birth. Do you mind sharing a little bit about some of your, your backstory that got you to where you were deciding on that? So when I was like 16 to 18, thinking about, you know, getting married and starting a family and dreaming of all that, um, I started hearing about the idea of a water birth. And I think it was like maybe just starting to become popular. I was just becoming aware of it. And I just thought to myself, you know what? I think that sounds really cool. I like the water. I think if I was going to have a baby, it'd be really cool to, you know, have one in the water. And so I had that kind of like stuck in the back of my head all through, you know, the beginning of our relationship and getting married. And um, Joshua wasn't really into the idea of a home birth when we kind of talked about it. And I just figured, you know, like, I'll get him to come around. Um, <laughs> so I, one interesting thing is that we have, I have three or four women here within um, a half an hour distance who have all had home births. Mm. And so, and Joshua was good friends with their husbands. And so we got to hear their stories and we're like, okay, they're not crazy. Like their kids are, you know, alive and, and all this stuff. So I think that's pretty unusual to have, so many people who have also had a home birth, but, um, yeah, that's pretty awesome. We got, yeah, it is. Um, we got pregnant a couple months after we were married and, um, we're kind of shocked, but excited. Um, and it ended up ending in miscarriage. Um, and we just thought, you know, okay, it's probably just, you know, a fluke and we'll, we'll just wait and see what happens and go on. And then uh, we got pregnant a second time and decided to get in right away, go to the hospital, do all the hospital things to try and prevent, you know, whatever could be prevented and um, ended up miscarrying again. And then by the third time um, we got pregnant, 
I, I didn't really want to do the hospital right away anymore because I felt like it just added more stress. Um, at the very beginning of, of the pregnancy, they, you know, wanted to do all these ultrasounds and then we'd go into them and they'd be like, we're not really sure if we're, you're going to miscarry. We don't really have, like, it's, uh, it's kind of inconclusive, like come back in a week and we'll check again. And then I'd come back in a week and they'd still be like, well, we don't really know. And so, um, Joshua and I just kind of decided that through that process, we wanted to go more toward a natural, maybe like, maybe science, is a little too, I don't want to say meddling, but it was just adding more stress for me personally. Um, and so we got, we miscarried again the third time. Um, and so I was using some, trying to do some herbal supplements, doing, we ended up doing blood testing for recurring miscarriages, stuff like that. And we got pregnant the fourth time and I definitely wasn't people, people asked us, you know, were, were you super excited or how did you feel, you know, when you found out you were pregnant? And I was like, really, I wasn't because by the fourth pregnancy, I was really more of just a, you know, how long am I going to stay pregnant this time? And right. I didn't really have any expectation that we were, we were actually going to have, you know, the way they were to a take home baby. Um, yeah. But we, through that process and working with the hospital and, um, maybe some suggestions of people in healthcare, like to do a chemical abortion early, if they just thought it wasn't going to grow or thought it was going to miscarry. Wow. Um, I, we just like, you know, we're just going to wait and give it my, my miscarriages usually happened in the first 12 weeks. And so we decided we were just going to wait and see what happened, whether, we made it to 12 weeks or whether I miscarried. And so, um, the fourth pregnancy, we made it to 12 weeks and, um, I had an appointment with, with a home midwife and, um, she offered water births. So that was like a major plus for me. I think we might've considered a hospital or at least I might've considered a hospital if, if they allowed water births, but I really wanted that water birth. So that's really what I was, what, what kind of was selling it for me at the home birth of, uh, initially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so around 13 weeks, I had my first appointment with the home midwife and, um, she asked me, you know, if, if I wanted to see if we could hear the baby's heartbeat and she had known that I'd gone through all this, these miscarriages early and, And so she kind of, you know, tried to warn me, like, you know, it might be too early. We might not hear it. You know, if we don't hear it, that's totally fine. You know, that doesn't mean there's anything, you know, wrong. Like, so she, so she tried to really prepare me and, um, I was really nervous trying to decide whether or not I wanted her to try because, you know, just the, the, the mind games that you have of like, if she does find it, yeah, that would be great. But if she doesn't, then I'm just gonna, you know worry that I am going to miscarry or whatnot. So, yeah. so she put the Doppler, you know, on my stomach. And as soon as she like, as soon as she said on my stomach, she found the heartbeat. And I was thinking that like, Oh, I'll probably cry or probably whatever. I don't know. I was so, I was so shocked that, 
<laughs> I was so shocked that I um I couldn't I couldn't speak. I didn't do anything. I was just like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, like just smiling ear to ear. And I got a little audio recording to take home to Joshua. And oh, wow. so yeah, that was the that's the first baby that we ever heard the heartbeat out of all of all of our pregnancies. Wow. So at that point, it was like, okay, a milestone here. You know, um, this might really, really happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, I, I mean, that was that was the beginning, I guess, of yeah. of this this little guy. Hmm. So at that point, after you know, thirteen weeks, you've heard the heartbeat. Now, did you kind of shift into this is this is feeling more real type of mode? I definitely was. I was definitely optimistic because um, because we hadn't made it this far before. We'd never heard a heartbeat, and um, my my other miscarriages, um, I often had like off and on spotting through them, which you know people tell you it's not a big deal, or it could be, you know, meaning you're gonna miscarry. Um, and so this one, I hadn't had any, so that was another thing I was kind of just like trying to hang on to. Yeah. You know, these things like, okay, we have a heartbeat, like I'm not spotting, like this could be, but I mean, through the whole pregnancy until he was in my arms, I still just cried often thinking, you know, I could, I could lose this baby. Um, and I have two, uh, one really close friend and another, uh, sister-in-law who both had stillborn. And so there wasn't really, I mean, there wasn't really ever a relief of okay we've made it like literally until he until he was born so Mm -hmm. um one thing laura that i just wanted to note that i've heard in other experiences you know with what you experienced in your your miscarriages and kind of the medicalized you know route of those and and kind of how you experienced the hospital whether it was just the physical space or the care kind of what you were saying the well we don't know come back this and that that's a theme I feel like I've kind of heard in women who a home birth might be a great option for them is whether it was previous births or miscarriages and or just health conditions where they were Mm -hmm. very immersed in the medical you know Mm-hmm. side of it, even in trying to conceive. So women who go through IVF or multiple rounds of insemination, you know, they kind of want mm-hmm. something different once you're planning for your birth, just because, you know, maybe it wasn't the most conducive to make you feel how you wanted to feel, whatever that is. But I just wanted to note that because I feel like that's something that's come up before. You know, if you've had a previous experience that was very managed, you know, very monitored, very, um, intervened with that, you know, once you're mm-hmm. thinking about your birth, you, you kind of just don't want any of that. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was our second pregnancy where I'd already had a miscarriage and we went in and had just one ultrasound at like seven weeks. And she was basically, you know, after the ultrasound, um, you know, the doctor came out and she was a, a nurse midwife. And she told me, you know, um, you know, basically the baby's not grow, the baby's not where it should be growing. And so this is probably going to lead to another miscarriage. So, you know, if you just want to go get, you know, we can give you a medication to, you know, pass it now, or if you want to get a DNC and whatnot. And I was like, I can't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I was very shocked and 
just, you know, tried to politely tell her, you know, no, I mean, I miscarried once naturally. If my body's going to do this, my body can do it again. And, and that miscarriage, I actually like experienced contractions for the first time when I, when I ended up miscarrying. And for me, it was amazing. Like in a meaning Mm -hmm. I was able to see that my body could handle it. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't need at, you know, eight weeks or nine weeks when I miscarried Mm -hmm. someone to intervene and do it for me. Like my body did it. And, and, um, so that was, that was kind of exciting for me because I felt like I had a new connection with my body in that way Mm -hmm. to realize, Oh, I know how to handle this. Like I can, you know, I, I can do this. So yeah, that was just one more step toward the idea of going toward more, a less, you know, minimal intervention mm-hmm. in, in pregnancy and birth. Gotcha. So. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No And if you're open to sharing just a little bit for other mamas who might be experiencing something similar or who, or who are pregnant and are kind of in that, that stage experience of balancing the fears and also being present, you know, with, with continuing on with your pregnancy as it evolves, how did you kind of address certain things of, you know, like when you share your pregnant or friends or family who are around you and obviously want to support you and, and be there for you or, you know, things like a a baby shower and stuff like that. Like just how did you process Mm -hmm. as you moved through? And, you know, you said until he was in your arms, there was still kind of that stuff hanging in the balance, just how you moved Mm -hmm. through that. Um, I think Joshua was Mm -hmm. my just main, he was, he was my, I guess it's kind of cliche, but to say like anchor, you know, um, I would just cry and, and he would just reassure me all the time. Like, I think I had a huge stress of thinking if I do it all right, we'll have a baby. And if I do something wrong or don't, you know, if I don't eat right, if I don't take this, whatever, like whatever I was believing in that, that I was thinking was making the baby continue to grow, you know, Mm -hmm. the weight of, if I stop this, like, what if, so there was a huge wait, but Joshua continually reminded me that, you know, um, that we could trust God and that if, if the baby was going to be born healthy, it was going to be born healthy. And if we ended up miscarrying that we could, you know, rely on each other, we could trust that it was all going to work out and be okay. And even though it would be hard, um, definitely going through the first couple miscarriages, I know that it really helps strengthen our relationship because 
we'd only been married about six months or a year and going through something that traumatic together definitely brought our relationship deeper because you know, experiencing a loss together like that. Um, so I would just say Joshua and I was very open and honest with my close friends about um, my previous miscarriages. Cause I didn't want, I didn't want to have this. Um, I didn't want to be snippy or rude and have mm. someone not understand. So you know, my friends, I would tell them, you know, I've had three miscarriages, so I'm really nervous about this. And I'm really like, you know, I'm trying to be excited, but I'm also scared. And I just think being open with people about that um, really helped me and probably helped them as well to yeah. kind of understand. I mean, we did kind of delay a lot of things like the baby shower or when we first announced um, to like social media, if you will, that we were pregnant, mm -hmm. like, we did wait longer than maybe we would have if we hadn't had any miscarriages. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that did affect that. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Cause I know there are other mamas who are either in that or were in that and, you know, to just kind of unpack that and, and how you, so I'm just hearing, you know, leaning on the people around you, supportive partner, just being real with what's going on for you. You know, you don't have to sugarcoat any mm -hmm. part of the experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then a little bit later in pregnancy, like around 36-ish weeks, is that correct? Some things started to change as far as the plans. Could you go into that a little bit for us? Yeah. I mean, you know, when, when Josh and I were planning the home birth and even with the midwife, we had the okay, if we're, you know, at the house and in labor and something goes wrong, what's our backup plan? You know, mm -hmm. we did have a backup plan as far as what we were going to do in labor, but we, we hadn't really had a backup plan of what we were going to do if we risked, risked out of a home birth. Um, mm -hmm. So around 36 weeks, um, one of my appointments, my blood pressure was higher than it had normally been. It was, it wasn't ridiculous, um, but it was, abnormal in a way that made my midwife uh, decide she wanted to order some blood work. And so just to, she was, I guess, immediately concerned about the idea of preeclampsia um, developing that. And so um, we did the blood work and the, I guess the only thing that was kind of weird is that my, um, my platelets were kind of low. And so she was kind of concerned about that, but other, I guess, other symptoms or whatever preeclampsia I wasn't showing. So she was like, you know, we'll just monitor it. We'll just, you know, we'll just wait it out and see what happens. And so, um, you know, the next week I had an appointment again and checked the blood pressure again. And at, at one point she also had me just checking the blood pressure randomly through, through the day at home. And um, it wasn't high but it was higher than it had been. So she was worried that it was the possibly the beginning of, you know, preeclampsia developing. So she continued to do blood work. And um, then at like on my due date, she finally decided that, um, that I was, I guess, basically being risked out from a home birth that she didn't feel comfortable with, um, with doing a home birth with the possibility that 
I could still develop preeclampsia even during labor and that she wouldn't have access to doing lab work or things like that Mm. to really check on how I was doing, you know, in labor. Um, So, yeah, that was, I mean, I think, you know, at 36 or 37 weeks, she did talk, you know, she was, she was very good at communicating with me saying, you know, if this doesn't change, we might have to look at doing a hospital birth and you might want to look at your options. And so it was just kind of a waiting game. And then, you know, and it was kind of, it was, it was a bummer. It was a hard pill to swallow because I was so looking forward to the idea of a home birth and had all my, you know, how I was going to set up the living room and, you know, my birth affirmations and, you know, uh, the pool and all that stuff. And, to start saying like, okay, now we're going to be packing a bag for the hospital. Like mm-hmm. it was just, it was hard, but, um, we really, we really knew that we wanted to do whatever we needed to have a safe birth and, and baby. And, um, so, so yeah, we started the process of working toward, um, uh, moving into the hospital and getting, hospital care so okay was there anything else that you and joshua did in particular that helped you to embrace this now hospital birth as best as you can knowing that you had wanted the home birth and and with you particularly the water birth was there anything in particular that you that you did that just allowed you to get into the idea of the hospital birth um we did I definitely would recommend the book, um, a thinking, thinking woman's guide to a better birth. Um, we've read through that and basically she just goes through every, every possible, you know, like test or procedure that is, I guess, standard in, in birth, um, in American hospitals and talking about, you know, the different statistics and outcomes from them and basically whether or not they are, uh, whether or not they're beneficial. And so I think Joshua and I had done a lot to prepare beforehand for, uh, you know, a birth at home being like, okay, these are, you know, positions we're going to work through contractions in. And, you know, this is things that I'm going to want you to do as far as, you know, maybe rubbing my back or sitting on the yoga ball or so. So we knew what we wanted to do at home. Now we just had to kind of make a plan and, Mm envision it in the hospital setting. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I think just knowing still what we wanted to do and kind of having a plan of this is, this is what we want. This is what we don't want. I mean, people have that with their home birth as well, you know, so it's just kind of adapting it and changing it to the hospital and knowing different things might, uh, might be different talking points now or, or different choices you have to make, but it's still knowing what you want and, and what you're willing to bend with. So, right. And then how did you find the process of kind of transferring over your information, your care within who you would be working with at the hospital? Did you have prior conversations or was it you just kind of showed up once labor was starting? Um, my midwife called okay. and uh, we decided there's a hospital that's about 10 minutes from us, um, but it has a much higher cesarean rate than the national average. And we decided we did not want to go to that hospital. Um, so we chose a hospital that's actually 45 minutes from our house 
but it has a much had a much lower cesarean rate. And that was something that, you know, at all costs, we wanted to try and have the most natural, um, you know, unmedicated, low intervention birth that we could have. And so um, we chose that hospital and my midwife called them, set me up an appointment, transferred all the records and, and had it all set up where she, you know, made an appointment for me. And I walked in and was, you know, had this huge belly to the office and the receptionist is like, well, what's your name? And, you know, when are you due? And I was like, yesterday, yeah. and this is my first appointment. <laughs> and uh, it was definitely not something they were used to. Everyone was pretty, I had to go over the story multiple times of, um, you know, well, we really wanted a home birth and people are just so, sh- they were very shocked that just, I guess the situation and, and how I came into the hospital, but mm. they were all very nice. Um, so yeah, I had, I, I guess I could just tell you now, but he was born 10 days after his due date. Okay. So between um, the first, you know, there were about, I guess, nine days between my first appointment at the hospital. And then when I actually went in to give birth to him and they ended up doing you know, multiple ultrasounds, all the prenatal blood work that I would have had on my first appointment. Uh, Um, They had me do, you know, my GBS test again. And just they they basically treated me like I was, you know, my first appointment at eight weeks or or whatever it would have been. So we had to cover all that ground again. Um, But I was I was very happy because they this is a hospital that um, they did they were going to give me up to two weeks after the due date um, before they would induce. And so I know that not all hospitals give that mm-hmm. amount of leeway mm-hmm. from, from a due date. So I was very thankful for that knowing I was a first time, you know, first time mom in a sense, as far as giving birth. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking it would probably go later. Um, gotcha. So, so then yeah. what was it like when you realized labor was starting and kind of how did you move through that? And when did you decide to go to the hospital? I was so unsure of myself and it was horrible. I was just playing <sighs> brain games, I think, because I tried to time my contractions or, you know, maybe even um, the first day that they kind of started becoming regular. And I was like, these aren't making any sense. You know, <laughs> I had this time and con- uh, uh, contraction timer and they'd be long and they'd be short and they'd be far apart and they'd be close. And I was like, this is supposed to be easier than this. Like people make this seem like it's very easy, but it is not. (laughs) So, um, what ended up happening is I woke up one morning and I'd had contractions on and off for about four or five days that were just, you know, they'd last for a couple hours and then go away. And, um, I woke up on, what it, it was, it was Friday morning and Joshua was working about three hours away. Um, and I called him and was just like, hey, you know, I'm having some contractions. And they, like, kind of feel different. Like, they feel more more intense. They're a little bit more regular. And and I had no idea how, you know, how long this was going to take, what it was going to be. And I didn't want him to come home early. But I also didn't want to, you know, be in active labor for 45 minutes in a car. Mm. So yeah. uh, he ended up making the call. He came home. Um, so this was Friday. And we ended up going. We spent most of the day at home. And, like, I think Friday I, um, I ended up having some, like, bloody show and, 
was thinking, okay, like these contractions are a little bit like we're, we're definitely like, you know, on the way this is, this is different than it has been. Um, and I had a, um, I had a, I had an appointment on, uh, I guess on Thursday where, um, they like checked my, checked my, uh, dilation and, uh, she stripped my membranes and I was like, anything, anything that's a, at that point I was thinking, okay, you know, I'm like eight days overdue already. Like any minimal thing we could get this, you know, to help it get going where we don't end up having to be full blown, you know, Pitocin induced would be, be okay with me. But, um, so yeah, Friday he came home and we spent the day at home and just monitored contractions and, you know, had some nice marital relation time because I I heard that could be very helpful. And, um, so in the evening, uh, we decided to drive to the hospital or drive to, um, where the hospital was located. And we checked into a hotel. We were like, we'll just spend the night at the hotel. And, um, so then, you know, in case in the middle of the night, we'll just be five minutes from Mm -hmm. the hospital instead of 45. And so, that was Friday night. And then all day Saturday, um, I had like irregular, slowly growing stronger contractions all day. I was really trying to get this like to pick up. I was like, I had a tens unit that I was using mm. on my breast and I was drinking all the red raspberry leaf you could imagine. <laughs> and, um, Doing all the stuff. I also, I, I was like, spent almost all day on the yoga ball. I mean, the contractions were strong enough that I didn't want to be walking during them. If I was walking, I'd kind of stop and, you know, just wait through it, but they weren't agonizing pain. I don't, they, they were becoming more intense, but, um, I was like on the yoga ball all day walking. And so that night I was like, well, Joshua, what if this is actually going to last for three or four days? Like, we don't want to stay in the hotel for three or four days. Like, what do you want to do? And so, but we also said, wouldn't it be like crazy if we decided to go back home? And then as soon as we got home, like my water broke and then we're just heading back. And so I told him to make the call and I felt bad because I'm like, feel like he's trying to depend on me and I don't know what's going on with my body. I don't, I've never, I don't know how long this is going to take. Um, But we decided to stay a second night at the hotel. And so we were there Saturday night and um, around four o'clock on Sunday morning, um, I woke up from a couple strong contractions and um, all of a sudden there was all this water between my legs. And I was like, I don't think I peed myself. I'm assuming my water just broke. Mm. Um, like if this isn't my water, we have a serious issue because something (laughs) is definitely wrong. Um, so yeah, that was like 4am on, on Sunday and he was born at noon. So, um, it went pretty, pretty quick from that point. So, so after the water broke, did you all just grab your things and head to the hospital? Yeah, it was funny because the the contractions hadn't really picked up. I mean, they were still manageable. And I was like, this isn't really a big deal. We probably have, you know, three days yet. Or I don't know. I wasn't really, I was like, I'm never going to have this baby. <laughs> I mean, I was, yeah, like what, nine days or 10 days overdue at that point. So, but yeah, as soon as my water broke, Joshua just 
like a little Tasmanian devil, like threw everything in the car, packed up the hotel. Like we were out of there in like 15 minutes, I mm. think. It was crazy. Um, he checked us out and, and then we checked into the hospital around 4.30 and um, they, I guess they checked me um, and I was about four to five centimeters and um, they had to confirm that it was the water, you know, they do the mm-hmm. test to be like, yes, this is amniotic fluid and, and it was and um, so yeah, we just, one crazy thing was that through all of our appointments, we didn't know if it was a boy or girl. We decided we wanted to wait. Um, and through all of our midwife appointments, like 95% of my midwife appointments, it would be raining on the day hmm. of the appointment. And my midwife was like, you know, I think this baby's going to be born on a rainy day. And <laughs> what do you know? We check out of the hospital and it's like thundering and wow. it's poor, or not, not the hospital, the hotel. I'm sorry. Mm. We're checking out of the hotel to head to the hospital and it's just pouring raining. And, um, actually within the first like hour or two that we were checked in at the hospital, they lost electric multiple times. Um, and so they were like trying to monitor the contractions and whatnot. And like, but the machines weren't working because they were on generators and the generator. And it was just, I was like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe this. This is crazy. That is wild. What an so, interesting time yeah. for a, a hospital to lose power. I could see it going either way. Some people being like, cool, this is the ambiance and mood lighting I want for my birth. Like, thank <laughs> yeah. you. Or other people being like, yeah. oh, I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. <laughs> so an interesting thing is that they continued to, you know, do my blood work and check my blood pressure. And it was totally fine. Um, by hospital standards, it was normal. And so I was kind of frustrated because mm. it seemed like with a home birth, I was too high of a risk but at the hospital I was a super low risk ah, and oh, um fascinating there wasn't really a we don't really have a birth center nearby so there wasn't really another option but I was definitely not considered a high risk birth at the hospital because my blood pressure was was normal enough and you know they were constantly checking my blood work and you know could get results in 15 minutes versus my midwife who would take you know two or three days to get results so um, so yeah, that was just, just to mention that, that it was, that it was considered a very low risk birth um, yeah. at the hospital. Yeah. Fun fact. So, <laughs> so yeah, sorry, we'll get back to the, to the birth story here, but, um, so yeah, at what about four thirty, I was at four to five centimeters and, um, I just, I spent the whole labor like on the yoga ball or on the toilet, you know, I was mm. thinking I would want to walk around, but the contractions were just so, I guess, intense. Like I didn't want to be standing, you know, and I also have heard things about, you know, conserving your energy and whatnot. So I was on the yoga ball for hours. Um, we had some really great nurses. They were super helpful. And it was really interesting because I did tell my midwife this, but like people pretty much left us alone. That's like great. Joshua and I were just pretty much left alone in the room on our own for probably from four, four thirty until, um, until 10, like nine or 10. Um, and 
I mean, my midwife did say, you know, they, they knew that we wanted a home birth. They knew that we were prepared to do this alone and unmedicated. And so I think that they were just, um, they were, I don't know, they were, they were happy to be hands off, which was wonderful. That's really cool. So, yeah, kind of minimal intervention. Yeah. I mean, besides coming into, I think every, they wanted to check me every four hours. Mm. So that was their, you know, when we checked in, we were like, Hey, here's our list of birth planner, you know, what we, what we'd hope to accomplish. But, but they were like, we do want to, you know, check every four hours. And so they ended up coming back in at, um, eight 45 to check the dilation and my blood, my blood pressure was still good the whole time. And they checked me and the nurse checked me. And then she's like, give me just a second. And she goes out and gets another nurse and comes back in and she checks me. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like, this is weird. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, so you're at nine centimeters. (laughs) And I was like, no, like Josh and I were just shocked looking at one another because to that point, the contraction still had been super manageable. I was expecting to be in like, you know, excruciating pain for 17 hours and, and I was fully dilated and still like, Oh, I can do this. This Hmm. is that hard. It was, it was just crazy and amazing. Um, but after a little bit, so they started like bringing all the baby stuff in and I'm like, we're not ready to have a baby. We yeah. need to have a baby, you know, like they're bringing in the little clothes and all the like surgical instruments. And I'm like, what are they doing here? Like, yeah, I was still, like I said, until he was in my arms, I was just, are we really going to have a baby? I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, what was so, pushing like for you? Uh, pushing was absolutely ridiculous. Um, <laughs> it, it, I only pushed for about 20 minutes, um, but it, what it felt like was, you know, 80% of labor was easier than I expected, and 20% of it was absolutely crazy uh, more difficult than I expected. So um, I really wanted to try a different birthing position, but I ended up, you know, on my back with my knees to my chest, and, you know, everyone all of the quiet and aloneness that we had in the early stages of labor up to pushing totally disappeared. And when it was time to push, you know, the bright lights came out, there were five people in the room, everyone is telling me to do something. And um, I really didn't feel like pushing at all. I didn't really, I don't think I was ready to push mentally or physically. um, But they coached me through it. And yeah, 20 minutes later, he was he was born. And so um, Joshua got to help catch him. And oh, they did, you know, cool. delayed cord clamping. And we got to do skin to skin for like a whole hour. And awesome. as soon as they put him on my chest, um, he like arched his back and like lunged himself up to my breast. <laughs> and um, I was just like saying, you know, it's a baby. Like we have a baby. I just, I was in such shock. I couldn't believe that I had just given birth to a baby. It was, it was absolutely amazing. And I, the hormones were crazy. And like, 
I've never been high, but I would say that's probably the closest thing I will ever experience to it. And um, yeah, it was really wonderful. So, who, who announced the sex? I do not remember. <laughs> <laughs> I assume Joshua did, but at that moment, it was like I don't even know. I all uh, the first thing I remember is that once. Once the baby's head was out, Joshua was just saying like how beautiful he was, and I was like, Aww. "How how does Joshua know that he's beautiful?" Yeah. <laughs> and you know, because like I didn't even realize the head was out. Like I didn't even I don't know. I was so in La La Land that. <laughs> um. So wow. yeah, and I mean, honestly, it besides the besides the crazy pushing, you know, being like coached and you know, being on my back and, and that stuff. Um, it was, it was everything I wanted from a home birth, you know, um, that, that I also got, you know, at the hospital. And so I was, I was like, we're still very grateful that it turned out the way that it did. Um, mm-hmm. so. That yeah. Beautiful. That's what I love. You know, what, what I knew your story and what you had to share really highlights. And I feel like that's, you know, you might have the desire to have a home birth, but in an instance where it no longer becomes a great option, you know, whether it's best for you, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, whatever that is, that you can have that positive experience. And I just, I love that you're an example of that and how you showed up throughout everything and how you and Joshua worked together as a team and how you had a great advocate and support in your midwife and her assisting you in making the transition as great as it could be. And the hospital staff too. It was really Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And we had wonderful nurses and it was really interesting. Like my postpartum checkup, you know, after, I don't know if it was three or four weeks, but um, the doctor comes in and it was the doctor who had delivered my baby to do the postpartum checkup. And she didn't remember me, but she said, oh yeah, your husband was the one who really helped. And I was Aww. like, yes, thank you. Yeah, yes, remember my husband. But I thought that was really great. So it's really great. Laura, Thank you so much for for sharing with us and for, you know, little Elliot joining us a little bit, little moments here and there. He caught that. He's in on the action because he's like, I'm being talked about. And uh, just to to Joshua as well, you know, being such an integral part of the story. I'm just so grateful to all of you and for you being a listener of the show and to now guest on the show. It's just such a beautiful process, you know, to be a part of and to be to have been a part of your journey in any small way is just completely Mm -hmm. magical and humbling for us. We're so honored. And then now that we get to help share your story, it's just, you know, all the things. So thank you. Thank you guys. It was wonderful. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved. Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, 
family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.